Well, if you open up to Ephesians chapter 5, we'll be picking up where we left off last week at verse 8. We're going to be talking about walking in the light. I just wanted to give a praise report that the the concert on the Pulsible waterfront went real well. And um, it was a little cloudy, so it wasn't as well attended as, as normal. But uh, there's still probably a few hundred people scattered around. And uh, we did get confirmation that people on the boats um, heard the preaching and stuff like that. So so you just got to share John 3.16 and... And, um, and it was just a real blessing, but it was my wife's birthday yesterday, and she gave me the thumbs up. She gave me the thumbs up to let me preach the gospel on on her birthday, and so that's uh, you know that's uh, it's, you know preaching Jesus is more important to her than than having a day all about herself. So God really blessed me with a godly woman, but uh, but it was a great time. Be in prayer for me tomorrow night. I'll be speaking at Thrive. That's the um, people in their 20s and stuff like that, a fellowship and all and uh, uh, that my grandson goes to, a lot of good people. And um, so just be in prayer that that goes well. And um, just remember our Bible studies and everything. We're in tonight, 6 p.m. We're going to have a few baptisms. So if, if you can make it, that would be great. It's going to be a little crazy. It's going to be the first time we're actually trying it over there so it might be um, might be a little different but as as long as the uh, water is warm I'm okay with it so but uh, okay so Ephesians 5 we'll be starting at verse 8 let's go to the Lord one more time with a word of prayer Father in Jesus precious name we just love you Lord and I thank you for for bringing these people here today and they came not to hear the faulty wisdom of man they came to hear your word proclaimed, your truth. And so I pray, Lord, that, uh, that your infallible word, your perfect word, would be proclaimed through uh, this fallible preacher. So I pray you would cancel the man and that you would anoint me and empower me with your spirit so that I would proclaim your truth and that I would not lead anyone astray. I pray, Lord, that you give everyone here the courage and the boldness to study the scriptures and to test what they hear, not just from this pulpit, but what they hear and what they see throughout the week and throughout their lives, that they would test all things with your word, understanding that you speak to us through your word. And so your word is the final authority for our beliefs and our practices, our behavior. And so I pray, Lord, that your word would be proclaimed today that your spirit would open hearts and minds to receive truth from your word and that uh, your spirit would empower us to apply these truths to our lives so that we could be pleasing in your sight um, for your glory and through your power. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. Um, I don't know if you've been watching the news lately, um, but things are getting pretty dark. And I think we could say that morally and spiritually, darkness has covered this land. But in the midst of this darkness, God has called us to be light. And so we were talking last week about walking in the light, walking as children of the light. And we're to do that this week uh, as well. To pick it up there in verse 8. For you were once darkness...
See, we used to be part of the problem. Now we're supposed to be part of the solution. Okay? But let's be honest. On a bad day, we still look like we're part of the problem. We still look like the world. We still act like we're children in the darkness. And it shouldn't be that way. Um, for you were once darkness. As Chris was leading us in praise and worship, one of the songs talks about that God gives us a second chance. Just remember who you were before Jesus saved you. And um, you're not that person anymore. The old you is dead. Now you're a new creation in Christ. We need to act that way. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of the light. So we're no longer darkness. We no longer stumble around in the darkness of spiritual ignorance, in the darkness of sin. Now we are light in the Lord. We have the Lord's truth, and we need to be morally pure. So we're to walk as children of the light. You know, Jesus is the light of the world, John 8, 12. Then he tells us when we trust in him for salvation, we become the light of the world because he shines his light through us. So we're supposed to be the light of the world. Okay? Um, and you don't put a basket over the light. You let your light shine. You don't keep it to yourself. You don't be a secret agent uh, Christian. Uh, you proclaim uh, the gospel message. And you live consistently with that. Uh, but uh, the scriptures are real clear. If we're not going to shine our light, if we're not going to walk in obedience to the Lord, okay, um, then we're going to be trampled on by the world. You know, how many times we see people that seem to have powerful ministries and then they fall into horrible sin and that gets exposed because the light exposes the darkness. We're going to see that in verse 13. And then uh, everybody just making jokes about them. Well, here, it could have been somebody proclaiming God's truth and doing powerful things through the power of the Holy Spirit for God's glory to build God's kingdom, and instead they're a laughingstock. Okay? Um, we need to walk as children of the light. Are you walking in the light? You know? A lot of us are children of the light. We profess to believe in Jesus, but we, we put a basket over that light. We don't share our faith with others. We don't, you know, I don't want to get my feelings hurt or whatever. We got to walk as children of the light. Now you do that by bearing the fruit of the spirit. Look at verses 9 and 10. Ephesians 5, verses 9 and 10. For the fruit of the spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. Finding out what is acceptable to the Lord. So the fruit of the Spirit, just like a tree bears fruit, the Holy Spirit, when you get saved, when you first trusted in Jesus for salvation, the Holy Spirit indwells you, and now he wants to bear his fruit through you. Okay? And so the Holy Spirit wants to bear his fruit through you, uh, but we often fight him on that. We often fight him and stifle that. Uh, but we need to allow the Holy Spirit to work through us and to change our hearts and bear the fruit of the Spirit. Now, hold this page, but move back a few pages 
to Galatians 5, 22 and 23. Here in Ephesians 4, Paul mentions the fruit of the Spirit, goodness, righteousness, and truth. He's just giving a summary list. The list is longer than that. Um, Galatians 5, 22 and 23, Paul says this in his letter to the Galatians, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, that's patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, against such there is no law. Okay? So, Christianity isn't like a list of do's and don'ts, a list of regulations and technicalities. It's a personal love, trust relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ who empowers us through the Holy Spirit to obey God from the heart. But let me tell you something. God doesn't want your outward behavior. That's not his main concern. If you outwardly do the right things and that's all you got, that's not good enough. That's the righteousness of the Pharisees and the scribes. God doesn't want your behavior. He wants you. He wants your heart. Now, if he has you, if he has your heart, he's going to get the outward behavior. But you're going to be obeying the commands of God's word, which are very important, but you're going to be obeying them from the heart. If you just outwardly obey God's commands, non-believers do that. You know, God commands us to give to others. There are non-believers that give, you know, write checks for thousands of dollars to help starving people. But they're not obeying God from the heart because they don't know Jesus and they're not doing it for Jesus' glory and it's not empowered by the Holy Spirit. Okay? So, to bear the fruit of the Spirit. So, our, our report card really isn't, okay, I, let's see, I went to church each Sunday this past month, check that box, um, I didn't curse, um, I wasn't immoral, and man, I'm doing great, and this and that. Well, this is the list we're supposed to be looking at. Was your life characterized by love? That means seeking the greatest good for others without wanting anything in return. Were you a loving person this last week? Joy. Did you have joy even in the midst of your suffering? You know, things are getting pretty bad in America. Things are going to get incredibly bad for the church, for true believers in the very near future. Okay? We still got to have the joy of the Lord. In the midst of the sufferings, we've got to be like Paul and Silas, midnight in a cool, damp Philippian jail, and they're singing praise songs. Okay? And, um, and the Bible doesn't say that Paul sang in key. Maybe he did, maybe he didn't, but it didn't matter. He wasn't going to shut up. He was going to sing praises to his king. You know, and by the way, if, if Paul shut up, if Peter shut up, the apostles shut up, Nobody would have killed them. Okay? So don't settle for a Christianity that offends no one. We don't go out of our way and say, I mean, I'm going to try to see how many people I can offend today. No. We speak the truth in love. But guess what? If people hate God, they're going to hate the truth and they're going to be offended. Okay? But we got to have the joy of the Lord. It's your life characterized by love, joy, peace. Now, I have times. I still... I have anger management issues, nowhere near as bad as I used to, you know, 
But in my, you know, God's word says, if possible, so long as it depends on you, be at peace with all men. Okay? So you do the best you can to be a person of peace, long-suffering, patience. Are you, are you being patient with people? Okay? It's easy to be patient with, quote-unquote, cool people. But what do you get when it's that guy or that gal that just drives you nuts? But in the name of Christ, God calls us to be long-suffering, to be patient, to be kind, to be good to others, to be faithful, to be gentle, to have self-control. When he says against such things there is no laws, means that basically if God has your heart, if you're filled with the Holy Spirit, it will become natural to walk in the supernatural. And you'll obey God's laws from the heart. But it's going to be the spirit of the law, not always the letter of the law. Almost always the letter of the law and the spirit of the law are identical. But every once in a while, um, the letter of the law, oh, you know, like resting on the Sabbath day or do you heal this guy who's paralyzed? Well, Jesus had the power to heal him. He healed him. Every once in a while, the spirit of the law goes beyond the letter of the law. Um, Corey Ten Boom or Rahab the harlot lying to the governing authorities to save innocent Jewish lives. Um, and so basically God wants that the spirit of the law is this. Love God with everything you got and love your neighbor as yourself. Now, if, you don't, if you're not grounded in God's word, you're not, you're not going to have the proper definition of love. Because what the world calls love and what God calls love are two totally different things. Okay? Uh, 1 Corinthians 13, another good chapter to look at uh, for love. Now, back in Ephesians uh, 5, Ephesians 5, Paul says, look, if you're walking as children of light, the Holy Spirit's going to bear his fruit in your life, and it's going to manifest itself in goodness, in righteousness, and in truth. Okay, now think about what's going on in our culture today. Are they standing up for goodness? No, right now, we have organizations that look down on biblically defined marriage. One man and one woman, one lifetime. They look down at, on that as if that's intolerant, okay? And then they promote what? Same-sex marriage? Transgenderism? You think our culture cares about what is good anymore? Ephesians 5.20, what are those who call evil good and good evil? We're living in those days. You know, this isn't the 1980s when your neighbor finds out you're a Christian. Your neighbor says, I'm so happy for you. If that's right for you and true for you and good for you, I'm glad that you're happy. Now your next door neighbor finds out you're a Christian and it's like, you, I didn't know you were one of those intolerant bigots. And they call us racist and all kinds of crazy words. And we just, we just love Jesus with everything we got. We're loving our neighbors ourselves. Guess what? That's not okay with the world. You think our culture is promoting what is good? No. Now, temptation, the temptation is going to be what the world says is good and righteous and true I'll side with the world on that, and then I'll be popular. And maybe I won't get beat up or made fun of. Okay? Paul said, 
in the book of Romans, let God be true and every man a liar. And he didn't say every man except the real important, powerful people. He said, let God be true and every man a liar. Do we have the courage right now if, if some of the most powerful people on the planet got on the stage and said something? By the way, we wouldn't let most of them on this stage. Um, but said something uh, ungodly. Can we, can we just stand there and say, no, you're wrong? Okay? We have a president of the United States. <clears throat> he's, um, he's getting old. I feel sorry for the guy. You know, I forget things now and then, and I hope it never gets as bad as it, do, as it is for him right now. But, you know, I pray for him. I feel bad for him and all. But there was one time <clears throat> when they thought he made a gaffe. But it wasn't a gaffe. Yeah, I wish they had studied. I wish these uh, journalists would study philosophy more. When he said, we believe in truth, not in facts. And they laughed because the truth is based on the facts. But not the people that agree with him. We live in a postmodern time where each community, whether it's the gay community, the radical feminist community, they choose what they want to be true. They don't believe in God anymore, so they, they play God, they create their own truth, and that's their truth, and they care about truth, and they could care less if the facts contradict their truth. Okay? So the facts... Don't mean anything. And, uh, and so this is, <clears throat> we live in a culture that hates truth. 20, 20, 30 years ago, you could get in trouble, you know, I mean, by losing friends, being made fun of, for sharing Jesus with people. Do you realize now, 20, 30 years later, you can get in trouble just for saying the truth. You can get in trouble just telling a guy, hey, excuse me, sir. That's a ladies' room. You're supposed to be over there in a men's room. Remember, what, a few years ago, I was with the pastor from Winnipeg, Canada, and his wife, and me and my wife, and, um, and, um, and he's a former, about 10 years younger than me, former mixed martial arts guy, so good guy to have around. When my wife came out of the bathroom, the ladies' room, and said, there's a creepy guy in there. And I thought, man, I don't even know what the state law is in Oregon. Oregon's pretty liberal. But I, I told the owner, this guy was like about that tall, built like a tank. I don't think he cared what the law was either. He was ready to throw down with that guy and stuff. And, uh, but it's, it's just like, that's the world we live in now. It's like you share Jesus with somebody. Man, you are so offensive. You're one of those bigots and this and that, blah, blah, blah. Oh, by the way, there's a guy in the ladies' room. Well, that's, he's got that right to do that. But you're a bigot because you're sharing Jesus. Is that truth? No, God's called us to proclaim truth in a world of lies. Are you going to answer the call? Or are you going to put that basket over your light? And just cover it. And, uh, and by the way, I'm not asking you to be stupid. Because, you know, there's a book, Live Not By Lies, where Rob Dreyer shows that there, God called many Christians to worship him in silence and to secretly meet in the homes. And some of them, some of these families survived 70 years of Soviet Union communism. He called other people to be loud. So they got locked up, eventually got executed, or some of them got released. Um, but whatever the case, whether it's in a quiet way, 
or a loud way you preach Jesus. You shine a light. Now we can, we can continue. There's an old saying, it's better to light one candle than damn the darkness. We can damn the darkness. You got Just turn on TV. There's a lot of darkness you can damn. Or you can light a candle. Okay? God's called us to light candles. And um, look at the apostles, how they turned the world upside down preaching Jesus. Wouldn't that be nice if we can do that in our county here? But the fruit of the Spirit is goodness. You know, being good to people, caring about people. Righteousness, standing up for what is right. You think our, our government and our culture cares about what is right anymore? We let violent criminals out of prison, left and right, and they compete they, uh, uh, over and over again. They commit the same crimes and uh, no care for righteousness and no care for truth. Uh, now, if the Holy Spirit bears this fruit in your life, the goodness, the righteousness, and truth, um, then the, the fruit of the Spirit will enable, you, us, will enable us to please God from the heart. We should find what pleases God and do it. And you're not going to find what pleases God unless you're a person, a man or woman of God's word and a man or woman of prayer. And you get filled with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit bears this fruit in your life. You study God's word. You allow the Holy Spirit to renew your mind. And then you'll find what pleases God and you'll do it. Now, I will say this. I will say this. Um, and, I, you know, I've said it last night. This is barely a week goes by without me saying it. Um, I'm telling you right now, goodness, righteousness, and truth, uh, they're no longer promoted by many of our churches in America today. Now, there are Bible-believing, Bible-preaching churches that will take a stand, but the fact of the matter is there are churches that just want to fill the, the seats in their church. They want more people. They want more money. They want more buildings, whatever it is, um, but they're just going to go as the, as the culture changes they try to become more and more politically correct, not to offend anybody. So there are churches right here in Kitsap County that no longer promote goodness. They call people, they embrace critical race theory and call people racist just because of the color of their skin. You're white, whatever that means, by the way. I wasn't a white guy when I was growing up. I think I became one in the 1980s. I just... You know, it used to be white Anglo-Saxon Protestants and stuff, and so I don't know what a white guy is. Uh, but whatever the case, uh, now they would classify me as white, so they would say, well, then you're, you're automatically a racist. You have white privilege. You should have white guilt. And you should support all the Marxist, socialist uh, agendas that are out there, which, by the way, is causing... Those things are causing the problems in the inner, inner city today. But we have like critical race theory is being promoted, sexual immorality being promoted. Some churches are at this time baptizing gay couples without repentance. No, we need to lead. We need to love gay people, lead them to Christ. And then when we lead them to Christ, as they grow in the Lord and become obedient to the Lord, uh, yes. Then you can baptize them. But, um, but there's so many churches that just want to be um, 
like the world and um, they're not bearing the fruit of the spirit. But by the way, there, there are spirits that will bear non-goodness in your life, unrighteousness, lies instead of truth, but that's not the Holy Spirit. Okay? And so if we're not careful, if we continue in our attempt to find common ground with the world, which is, isn't a bad thing if we do it without compromise, but in our attempt to find common ground with the world, we are becoming the world. The church is becoming the world. And um, I, I tell you, you could start out being very, very Christian, your church, and 10 years pass by, and if you're not careful, you can be a, 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 a demonic assembly of people who say, Lord, Lord, but don't do what Jesus says. Well, then Jesus is going to say, I never knew you. Depart from me. And, uh, but Christians should allow the Holy Spirit to bear his fruit in your life and find what pleases God and do it. You don't know what pleases God? Start studying the word. What pleases him is in there. What displeases him is in there. Okay? And so we're told to walk in the light, verses 11 to 14. Look first at verse 11. And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. Okay? So have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness. Now you see what Paul's doing here with the word fruit? He wants the Holy Spirit to bear his fruit in our lives, but if we side with the world and perform works of darkness, he calls them unfruitful. It doesn't further the cause of God's kingdom. It doesn't bear fruit for God's kingdom. We've got to ask ourselves, am I bearing fruit? Is the Holy Spirit bearing fruit in my life? Or am I siding with the unfruitful works of darkness? Okay? Now, we don't partake. See, again, you can spend time with non-believers. I would strongly recommend that you take a Christian buddy with you. That you're accountable to. Okay? And you need to spend time with non-believers. Jesus spent time with non-believers. But he wasn't fellowshipping with them. He could break bread. He could have food with them. But he was witnessing to them. So whenever you have an encounter with somebody, you've got to ask yourself, am I witnessing to them or am I fellowshipping with them? By the way, he could turn on a dime. You know, I saw a rough dude with tattoos all over his neck, homemade tattoos, kind of like the ones that you see in prison and stuff. And, and um, young, uh, young black gentleman, and this was in uh, North Carolina, and I was in line to order my hamburger, and God kept telling me, uh, uh, talk to him about, about my son. And I'm like, man, I'm there with professors from the Southern Evangelist Seminary. I just want to eat a hamburger. I don't want to talk to this guy. And uh, he doesn't even look like he would like me. And, um, but I was like third or fourth in line. And I knew it sounded like my voice in my head, but I knew it wasn't me because I was arguing with that voice. And I... I sincerely doubted it was coming from the demonic side, okay? So finally, I got up there to order my food, and I just stood there, and I just said, uh, I said, so what do you think of Jesus? And he's just, this young guy is just like, oh, man, I knew you were going to say that. And, and um, he said, I converted to Islam. I said, what are you doing? Muhammad's a false prophet. 
the Quran is is a, a, a false writing. It's not the word of God. He said, I know, I know. He said, I repented before my church when I was in Milwaukee and the, and the church forgave me. I said, well, then what's the problem? He says, well, I got this job out here, moved to North Carolina, and um, I, I told the Lord I'd, me and my wife would go to church, and we haven't been to church in months. I said, well, you're going to go to church now, aren't you? And he's like, yeah. And so and I got the professors who live out there all with them and stuff. But, but whatever the case, we gotta, we got to shine our light in the midst of the darkness. And, um, but, you know, but that went from, okay, I'm witnessing to this guy. Because surely a guy with prison tattoos on his neck can't be saved. And then I find out, no, the dude's saved. So it went right away from witnessing the fellowship. Sometimes you walk up to somebody and they say, oh, I'm a Christian too. And, oh, good, we're going to get some fellowship. And then when you find out what kind of Christianity they have, it's like, oh, I'm witnessing. This person's not saved. I don't know what Jesus they're serving, but he's not the Jesus of the Bible. But every encounter we go in, am I witnessing or am I fellowshipping? Fellowshipping, you're sharing what you have in common. Witnessing, you're sharing something with them that you have that they don't have. They don't have Jesus. Okay? So we don't fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness. If you fellowship with a non-believer, you would join with them in their sin. Okay? So, um, if a bunch of guys are getting drunk and you just join in with them and they hand you a beer and you start getting drunk with them, you're fellowshipping with darkness. Okay? Now, if you're one of these fanatic Christians that will actually go walk into, you know, biker bars and lead people to Christ. God hasn't called me to do that, but more power to you. But bring a buddy that you're going to be accountable to. And um, remember Lucky Leslie, him and his wife Vel, they, would, they had, were part of the Christ Disciples, a, a Christian biker group that would minister to outlaw bikers. And, um, uh, but they didn't, they didn't drink with them. They didn't do, commit horrible sins with them, but they witnessed to them. So have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness. Rather, expose them. This is why I talk about the neo-Marxist view called critical race theory. We have churches in our county that now embrace critical race theory. Okay, um, when I talk about it, it's not because I think it's cool. I expose it. Okay, and that's what we need to do. Uh, we expose uh, critical race theory, sexual immorality, uh, slavery. And you might be saying, "Well, Pastor Phil, you know, the slaves were freed in 1865." I'm telling you something. The slave trade is alive and well right now in America. Okay. Human trafficking, we don't protect our borders. It's not only drugs and gangsters, and there's a lot of people that just want a better life. I'll be honest with you. But, um, but there's, uh, there's people that are trafficking human beings across our border, and this present administration doesn't want to do anything about it. And um, they call the coyotes, the ones that, that sneak them across the border. They make thousands of dollars per person that they sneak across the border. And, uh, you know, we got a president who tells us he doesn't want COVID to spread. 
and we're getting we're gonna we're gonna end up with about two million people illegally coming into America this year by the end of this year, and a big chunk of them are COVID positive. So you, do you think your president really cares about you? No. He don't care about you. Okay. And um, you get a president who does care about us and watch how mean the media is to him. And it's not because they don't like him. It's because they don't like us. Okay. We're living in a world of lies. But slavery is on the rise again. Abortion. How, how are we going to how are we going to walk in the light if we don't expose abortion as murdering unborn human beings? It's been medically proven. Human life starts at the moment of conception. Okay? So, um, we have no fellowship with the unfruitful deeds of darkness. Rather, we ex expose them. At the same time, look there uh, at that verse... Well, that's verse 11. Have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. And then verse 12, for it is shameful even to speak of those things which are done by them uh, in secret. So what we're, keep in mind, exposing sinfulness is not the same as gossip. Now, I'm sure there's been a lot of proper church people who got all caught up, maybe even to this day, I don't even know if they show them anymore, but soap operas. So where you can get all caught up where it's like entertaining for you to watch a soap opera where everybody's committing adultery and have, getting divorces and this and that, and you just love talking about it and stuff. Sometimes I'm concerned about Books that share their testimony. I very, very rarely do I share my testimony. Because a lot of times, if there's like 18 chapters in a book, and the first 17 chapters detail all the sins that you were committing before you got saved, then in chapter 18 you read John 3.16 and get saved, I wouldn't be surprised there's a lot of Christians who will buy the book and read the first 17 chapters. So I know how it ends. I'm not going to read chapter 18. Okay? So we've got to be careful about this where we don't take pleasure in talking about sinful practices. We expose the sin, but don't dwell on it too long. Who was it? Pastor Simbala, the Brooklyn Tabernacle Church, obviously in Brooklyn, New York. And um, he, his father-in-law made him pastor two, two pretty dead churches, only a few people each one. One was in Brooklyn, and one was in Newark, New Jersey. And each Sunday he'd have to drive across a tunnel or a bridge to get there and stuff. But he started a prayer meeting, and only two ladies showed up, two elderly ladies. But he thought, we're going to build this church on prayer. We're going to bring this church back to prayer. And one lady kept asking for prayer requests and about her friend so-and-so, and her husband just left her, and um, and then this, this other person that... Uh, was just found guilty of some crime. And, this, and the other lady kept saying, shut up, Ethel, shut up. And he's like, no, don't tell this lady. This lady has prayer requests. And, and so they would pray about it. And then the next night, the lady would bring up more problem areas and stuff like that. And, um, and the, la the other lady would keep saying, shut up, Ethel. And he'd say, no, this is a godly lady. She's praying for her friends. And, 
eventually it just got really, really, the list got longer and longer, and eventually he figured out she was making prayer requests about all the characters in the soap opera that she was addicted to. <laughs> and if there were any spiritual giants in the room, it was the lady who was saying, shut up, Ethel. And, uh, so, so keep in mind, we expose sin, but don't take so much pleasure in exposing sin that it's like, man, I'm a good Christian. I don't do that stuff. Man, I got some stuff to tell you. No. We don't, don't ever take, when, when a Christian brother or sister falls, don't take pleasure in that. Okay? But, uh, but Paul's being real clear here. We expose the unfruitful works of darkness, but he still says, for it is shameful even to speak of those things which are done by them in secret. By the way, some of the things that are done in secret, there's a lot of sins that most sins are committed in secret. That's why with this uh, defunding the police, one of the uh, novel things that's happening is people are getting brutally murdered in some cities in broad daylight. If, if you got a police department with enough police officers, usually criminals will try to get away with their crimes at night, but they're not dumb enough to do it in broad daylight. Um, what, in uh, Southern California, you're allowed to steal the shoplift um, up to something like $900 worth of merchandise, and they won't charge you with it. So in broad daylight, these guys go in with carts and fill them up. They do the math as they're going through, and they go out and, you know, they put all these, these businesses out of business. And uh, normally the sins are committed uh, in secret at night. Uh, but the secret also could bring out with it the idea of the occult, the hidden arts, the hidden things. Uh, God has called me to study about the, do some studying about the world of the occult. I've, known, I've shared notes with, with some of the guys in here, some of the guys and gals about the world of the occult. But you don't ever want to get so intrigued by evil that you, you, you like gossip about it, you enjoy talking about it so much, that's dangerous as well. So we expose evil, but we recognize it's shameful to talk about such things which are done by them in secret, okay? Um, there, there is a godly way to expose sin, and there's an ungodly way to get too much into the details of the sin where it leads other people astray. Okay, so keep keep that in mind. If you're sharing your testimony, don't brag about your past. When you were a dead man or a dead woman, make that clear that you did not have the joy of the Lord. Make that clear that you were a loser. Okay, you know, if a guy's a mafia hitman and he killed 20 people and got saved, um the guy's going to become a celebrity. And, and by the way, I'm thinking of a couple guys in the back of my mind that come pretty close to that description, and the guys that I'm thinking about are pretty godly men. But sometimes I wonder, had they grown up in godly Christian homes and never broken the law, if anybody would want them to speak from the pulpit. Now, there's, keep in mind, to see Jesus radically transform the life 
of a criminal thug and turn him into a godly man, that's good news. As the song said, he's the God of a second chance. Okay? At the same time, we got to be careful that we don't start enjoying talking about um, those sins that God has called us uh, to expose. For it's shameful even to speak of those things which are done by them in, in secret. Verse 13, but all things that are exposed are made manifest by the light. For whatever makes manifest is light. All, all things will be exposed by um, God's light. I can remember in the Marine Corps, we'd have an inspection coming up, and so I'd, uh, I'd be shining my boots and stuff like that, and they look great. And, uh, but maybe a few of the light bulbs would be out in my, uh, in my room. And, um, but I'd be shining my boots. I thought, man, this is going to be great. As soon as I get out there in line in the sunlight for the inspection, I can glance down and say, oh, no, I can see smudges all over my, my boots. Why? It looked pretty good when the lighting wasn't good. But when I come into the light and it gets exposed, that's crazy. In fact, look at John. I, I preached on John 3.16 yesterday, but a lot of people will stop at John 3.16 to 18. I want us to look at John 3, 19 to 21. John chapter 3, 19 to 21. And Jesus says this, And this is the condemnation, that the light has come into the world, Jesus came into the world, and men love darkness, rather than light, because their deeds were evil. For everyone practicing evil hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his deeds should be exposed. But he who does the truth, he who practices the truth, comes to the light, that his deeds may be clearly seen that they have been done in God. The good that we do, that's God working through us. Okay? Um, but the fact of the matter is a lot of people don't come to the light because they don't want their sinful deeds to be exposed. Okay? And um, um, you know, that's what idolatry is. Paul mentioned it earlier in his passage that we looked at last week. Um, uh, loving anything more than Jesus is idolatry. Okay? Jesus has got to be number one in your life. And, um, uh, but for a lot of people, they have a sin, a sinful practice that's more important to them, and they don't want that sinful practice to be exposed as sin, and so they remain in the darkness. If we, if we continue to talk to our homosexual friends and say, oh, it's okay, uh, you, maybe you were born that way, or that's your preference, that's okay, this and that, uh, they're not going to come to the light unless their sin gets exposed as sin. Okay? We've got to speak the truth in love. We do it in love, but we've got to speak the truth. And I'm telling you, like I said, 
20, 30 years ago, you preach Jesus, you get in trouble. Now all you got to do is tell the truth. But it's just shining your light in the midst of the darkness. All things will be exposed by God's light. By the way, we're sitting down here, and we might be thinking, man, I, I, watched, I watched the news on television the other day. Man, I'm a pretty good guy compared to those people. And, um, well, when God's word says everything will be exposed by light, that's everything. That's not just the other guy's outward behavior. That's not only your outward behavior and your attitude, but that's even your thoughts. You know, we're not going to be perfect till Jesus comes back, but a godly man or a godly woman, they battle sin in the realm of the mind. Okay? So that it doesn't have to manifest itself outside. But everything's going to be exposed by God's light. If there's an area you haven't surrendered to the Lord, uh, the Holy Spirit will expose it, and you've got to repent. You've got you to confess, acknowledge it to the Lord, uh, turn from that sin. If you need Christian brothers and sisters to help you out of that sin, then so be it. But all things will be exposed by God's light. Uh, it's verse 13. Verse 14 Therefore he says, Awake, you who sleep, arise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. Okay? And so Paul's saying, look, awake from your spiritual sleep. Arise from spiritual death, and Christ will give you light. Now, he's using symbolic language here. The day's going to come, we're going to get our resurrection bodies. But he's saying, since you're going to get your resurrection body in the future, and the old you, the old man, is dead, why don't you start acting that way? Stop spiritually sleeping. Okay? Now, here's the really ironic thing for today. The world in which we live. You realize, if we awake from our spiritual sleep, what will, what will that make us? That will make us woke. Okay? Now, 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 listen to this. If you awake from your spiritual sleep, you will genuinely, genuinely be woke. Yet, are the people, the Christians who call themselves woke, are they really awake from their spiritual sleep? Or are they spiritually asleep at the wheel. They're spiritually asleep. So the whole woke church movement today is a false anti-Christian spirituality. It's coming from the other side. So that's the crazy thing. Those who call themselves woke are spiritually asleep. And those who call themselves just old-fashioned Christians, we're the ones who are really genuinely woke. And I wouldn't call yourself that, though. Uh, every once in a while, a term gets stolen by the godless in the world, and just, just, just let them have it. And, we'll, you know, that's why, that's why we talk about the deity of Christ. We don't talk about the divinity of Christ anymore. Why not? Because the divinity of Christ used to mean that Jesus is God the Son become a man. But as time went on, the liberal theologians, who aren't really believers... They said that, yeah, Jesus is divine, but we all have the spark of divinity within us. 
So Jesus is God-like. He has the God consciousness. We all have that. And so eventually, conservative uh, Christians said, forget that. We'll just, we'll just use the term deity to acknowledge that Jesus is God because half the guys that say Jesus is divine don't really believe he's God. They've redefined the term. And that's what happened with the word woke. But we're to awake from our spiritual sleep. Maybe some of us out here today, maybe we're still, you know, maybe we're saved and we're just, we're still spiritually asleep. We've got to awake from our spiritual sleep. Arise from the dead and Christ will give you light. Okay? Look at John chapter 8, verse 12. John chapter 8. This is right after Jesus forgave the adulterous woman. John chapter 8. In verse 12, then Jesus spoke to them again, saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. Jesus is the light of the world. And then Matthew 5, 14 to 16. Matthew 5, 14 to 16. We looked at this last week. You are the light of the world. So now Jesus is telling us that we're the light of the world. He's the light of the world. We trust in him. He indwells us. He empowers us. So now the church is the light of the world. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. We need to shine our light. As individual Christians, as members of Trinity Bible Fellowship, we need to shine our light in the midst of the darkness of the community. This is not some mellow country church. We have to lock the doors when we're not here. There's a lot of darkness out there. And I recommend parents really... Keep an eye on your children. Uh, this is not the, 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 the safest area in the world. I don't know that there's any safe place on planet Earth anymore. Um, but what are we supposed to do? We're supposed to not flee the darkness, but shine our light in the midst of the darkness. Some of us are putting our light under a basket. Some of us are spiritually asleep. Um, we got to arise from the dead, awaken from our spiritual sleep and Christ will give us light. So as children of light we are to walk in the light we are to expose evil we don't practice evil or gossip about it but we witness to the world without becoming the world. Now next and we'll be looking at this next week Paul not only tells us to walk in the light but he tells us to walk in wisdom and we'll just look at 15 and 16, just to introduce it for next week. Ephesians 5, 15 and 16. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. 
So we are to walk in the light, but we are also to walk in wisdom. To imitate God, we have to walk in the light and walk in wisdom. When Paul tells us to walk circumspectly, he means walk carefully. Think about the steps that you're taking. Don't be that guy that to get that to get a promotion, he goes out drinking with his coworkers so they'll like him and maybe his boss will promote him and then one thing leads to another and uh, no, you, you got to be careful in the way you walk so that you do not fall into sin and temptation. Be wise. Don't be a fool. Don't, you know, if God calls you, tomorrow night i got to preach on Daniel in the lion's den to young adults at the Thrive meeting. Look, if God calls you to be in the lion's den, then be in the lion's den. But you know what? Some of us, God's not calling us to be in a lion's den, and yet we're ending up there. Okay? Be wise. Make sure you're doing what God's called you to do and going where God called you to go. And so we need to redeem the time. In other words, make the most of each opportunity. Why? Because the days are evil. Are, um, are you spiritually asleep? Maybe you're going through a a dry patch in your walk and you've been spiritually asleep for a while and you need to awaken from your sleep. Um, are you walking in the light? Are you walking in wisdom? You know, some of us, we, just, we want to serve Jesus, but we go where Jesus never calls to go. You got to walk in wisdom. When Lucky and Val Leslie, they used to go on biker runs. See, Christ's disciples never registered with the American Motorcycle Association. So even though they're a Christian biker group with very high morals, um, they were considered outlaw bikers. And, that, and because of that, they were respected by other outlaw bikers who would then allow them into their clubhouses, um, even though they had a different set of standards than the Christ disciples and all. But whatever the case, they would go on this run, this motorcycle run like once a year, and they asked me, they said, we really want you to go with us on this run. And first off, I just couldn't see me, you know, riding like a moped <laughs> and uh, among all these bikers on Harleys. I mean, it's just like, I'd be like, you know, as phony as a $3 bill. I mean, it's just like, you know, that'd be like me trying to pretend I'm a cowboy or something, you know? And um, so number one, it was like, I don't think I'm, there's not a whole lot of common ground there. And... Um, uh, but number two, you know, the way some of the ladies dress there, the way they act, I don't feel called to that kind of ministry. I prayed for Lucky and Vel. They were called to that kind of ministry. They had a phenomenal ministry. They were, they were outlaw bikers themselves before they got saved. And, um, but I had to tell them, I'll pray for you, but I'm not going to show up on my moped and... <laughs> And go places, you know, if God's calling you to minister in a lion's den, then do it. God's not calling me to that lion's den. Okay? And um, let me tell you, you go to lion's den, and God didn't call you to go there, you're on your own, dude. You're on your own. Now, by the way, God might call you to the lion's den. Persecution is just around the corner.
suffering for the church, great suffering, is just on the horizon. Okay? And um, God might call you to the lion's den, but might choose not to deliver you from the jaws of the lions. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, God rescued them from the fiery furnace. God might call you to a fiery furnace, and though he's going to deliver you, but the way he delivers you, he might just take you home. And um, so we got to decide, are we spiritually awake? Are we walking in the light? Are we walking in wisdom? Are we walking in truth? Let me tell you, suffering is coming. I'd be lying to you if I didn't say that. Suffering is coming to the church. And um, while days are still somewhat good, if you can't live for Jesus when days are good, what makes you think you're going to be willing to die for him when things get bad? Walk in the light. Walk in wisdom. Awake from your sleep. And you serve and you preach the lamb who was slain, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the king of kings and the Lord of lords. You proclaim his name. We're ambassadors. We're his representatives. You know what we're supposed to be telling the world? The king is coming. And you need to be ready. The king is coming. So go forth and shine your light and awake from the sleep.